This is episode 125 with Lauren Arms. G'day legends and welcome to Your Life of Impact, where we connect with world-class athletes and coaches, health experts and enthusiasts, inspiring entrepreneurs and community leaders, all to teach you how to tap into your inner excellence. I'm your host, Brett Robbo, and I'm extremely grateful you're joining us today on your impactful journey. Lauren Arms is an entrepreneur, business mentor, and success coach. In 2014, she founded her company called Well To Do and was running it as a passion project before eventually quitting her well-paying full-time job in corporate and transforming Well To Do into a profitable six-figure business. Well To Do is a leading global source for wellness industry news and business insights. They deliver strategic advice for forward-thinking brands on the future of wellness. Also helping people build incredible business and careers in the wellness industry through events and consulting. Lauren has been featured in The Times, BBC and many more global media outlets and she writes a monthly column for women's health about entrepreneurship and wellness. She's an Aussie girl from a town of 20,000 people in the middle of Australia who's cracked the London and global market and worked hard and smart for her successful business, but as you'll hear from her, she's done it in an alignment with her wellness values. In this episode, we discuss how she broke through her fear and limiting beliefs, why it's important to discover your zone of genius and to operate in that zone, what Lauren has found to be the most common fears and limiting beliefs for most humans and how she coaches people through them, the reason why most people don't get what they want. We talk about wellness trends, wellness events, consumer expectations of wellness brands, why well-to-do is thriving in this industry, We talk about the challenges of going into and running a business and we discuss a lot more around human behavior. She's a beautifully connected soul who's done the deep work on herself and sees the world from the new paradigm. Before we hear from Lauren, I just want to quickly read part of a review, not an iTunes review, but just part of one of our, some of our feedback from one of our participants in the recent Gut Health and Gut Brain Connection online program. Just a tiny little snippet here. And he says, this program has given my wife and I simple steps and great resources to guide us in becoming healthier and better role models for our kids. Boom. How good is that? This is a program about your gut health and your gut-brain connection. And these guys are now healthier, happier versions of themselves, meaning they're greater role models for their kids. Love it. That's, That's what it's all about. It's all connected. If you're keen to enhance and optimize your gut health and gut brain connection, jump online and check out all the info at yourlifeofimpact.com forward slash gut health. Okay. Now let's hear from the legend herself, 
Lauren Arms. So, Lauren, I'm going to say a quote and I want you to just elaborate in any way you desire based on how it makes you feel. And that quote is, leap and the net will appear. Oh, I love that. <laughs> love that so much. It's from the author of The Artist's Way, right? Absolutely. Love it. Yeah, big believer in that. I, I think I've learned to embrace it more and more throughout my entrepreneurial journey. And I think that I get more confident to leap and trust that the net will appear through validation of previous experiences of leaping. So obviously the biggest leap for me so far in my life has been leaving my corporate job and starting a business. You just don't know how that's going to pan out. But I think ever since I've taken that leap, it's given me confidence to take all of the other little leaps that are involved in starting a business. And yeah, I reflect on my life and I realize that I have taken quite a few different leaps at different stages, whether that was leaving Australia and moving to London, starting the business, you know, employing my first team member, whether it's been launching something, putting myself out there. But there is so much trust and faith that you have to have in, in, in really doing anything in your life that matters or has an impact. So yeah, whilst we obsess constantly over the how and what the big picture is going to look like, I'm, I'm a really big believer that sometimes you just have to be here, present and trust that taking the next step is going to lead you to your, your goals, you know, and lead you in the direction of, of what it is that you desire for your life. You mentioned there you quit your full-time job in corporate to obviously explore and pursue your passion that we're going to speak about a lot here, but there must have been some struggles with this because that's a massive leap and it doesn't always work out for people. And there's obviously a lot of risk involved and I know exactly where you're coming from because I did the same thing almost two years ago. So I know that feeling of, oh shit, when am I going to get paid again? <laughs> but yeah, that was always, personally, was always squashed by my immense belief that I could make this work and my passion to help people enhance and optimize their lives. And it was that oh shit feeling that personally just drove me to work even harder to make quality services because obviously results equal income in the coaching and wellness industry. So is that kind of your experience too? And what were some of the struggles that you had with it? Yeah. So I think too, for me, I always say to clients and I, you know, and I remind myself that with any big goal, whether it is, you know, quitting a job and launching a business or anything that follows from that, for me, I realized that the fear of staying where I was needed to be, and in my case was greater than the fear of taking that leap and figuring it out. So I remember being in my corporate job, which, you know, was pretty cushy. I was getting a great salary working in a really cool office in central London. But I remember looking at my company director and just thinking, I don't want to be you in 15 years time. And there was this sort of panic slash overwhelm of the reality of what my life would look like if I just stayed going down the same path or on the same trajectory. And that kind of, that fear was, was actually more paralyzing to me than the fear of unknown that comes with launching a business. And, you know, I, I knew very well that there were going to be challenges in, in figuring out how the hell I was going to launch something. You know, I didn't have a clear business plan. I didn't have a clear idea of what my business was going to be. But that unknown for me was actually in some ways less terrifying than the path that I could see before me if I stayed in that in that corporate world. 
And so in terms of challenges, you know, there have been so many. I think initially the biggest one for me was was A, kind of figuring out how to make money and turn my passion into a business, but kind of B, kind of and caught up in that or a, another layer underneath that was getting over my own limiting beliefs. So just the stories that were playing in my mind, things like, you know, you can't do what you love and make money or, you know, making money is hard or people don't want to buy what you're selling or you don't have enough experience, like all of that kind of nonsensical stuff that can really paralyze you and keep you stuck from just taking simple actions and and building the business. And I think that challenge for me was overcome by being more present, being more in the moment and realizing that even though I didn't know how step 25 was going to play out, that really all I needed at that point in time was to know how step one, two and three were going to play out and really zoning in on those instead. That's brilliant because something we talk about a lot on this podcast and I work with, with my clients is around their limiting beliefs and stories. So you obviously, because my next question was going to be, well, how do you get through that? But you just talked about it, the presence, being in the moment, figuring out step one first, as opposed to thinking of the end goal and then getting your anxiety up and then talking yourself out of it based on that. Does that also come back? I've heard you talk about, I know you've read the book by Gay Hendricks, The Giant Leap, and he talks about the zone of genius. And this book was one of those ones that came to me at the right time and gave me more belief and drive to take that leap and keep on freaking leaping. Like you said that you've been doing as well. I'd love you to unpack the the zone of genius aspect and what that means to you and how you grow from that philosophy. Yeah. uh, That book was instrumental for me as well. I Yeah, I think that when I read that book, I realized that I could normalize that upper limiting that we all kind of fall into as a bit of a habit sometimes that, you know, when things are going really well, you find some way to kind of sabotage it. And that's, it's almost like an instinctive behavior to do that, but that normalizing it and recognizing that that is a pattern sometimes allows you to see that you're doing it. And I think with anything in life, having an awareness first is what allows you to change and shift and and create or cultivate a new set of beliefs. So yeah, for me, one of those areas of kind of, or challenges of kind of stepping into my zone of genius is, as Gay Hendricks talked about it. It took me, it took me a good few years really to realize that I wanted to be a coach. And and I say that, you know, I suppose at the same time I was, I was building a business. I was building well to do as a media platform. We had a thriving events business, but there was a part of me that, that continued to do the thing that I was passionate about, which ultimately was kind of supporting business owners one-on-one for free. And I used to meet up with people a lot for coffee. I used to do a lot of connecting. I used to do a lot of kind of motivating with people in my network but I wasn't charging for it. And I got to a point in my business where our platform was growing, loads of traffic to the website, loads of a really high attendance rate and sell out events, but just wasn't generating enough revenue to grow my team. And I knew I needed to do that in order for me to ultimately be in my zone of genius, which is leading ideation, kind of being you know, a, a, a business owner rather than an operator which is something I've learned recently from Tony Robbins and his, his kind of thinking around business mastery. And so when I realized that the thing that I was spending a lot of time doing that was bringing me the most fulfillment, i.e. this one-on-one support, 
I kind of came across the coaching industry in a different way. And I realized that that was something that almost ticked all the boxes for me in terms of stepping into my zone of genius, being able to support an individual one-on-one, being able to be in that kind of teaching, coaching, mentoring role and and to be able to package that up and say, okay, now I'm going to, you know, I'm going to offer this business coaching service alongside everything else I do. It, it just allowed me to fully step into my, almost like my power, my, my entrepreneurial, you know, sort of state of mind. And, and as a result of that, it was kind of crazy, like opportunities just started flowing. People were just kind of coming out of the woodworks asking for coaching and, and wanting to work with me. And I just had this incredible flow of, of clients coming through and it was really natural, organic. And I think that's what happens when you decide and you step into that zone of genius and you kind of accept it rather than fighting against it. And as a result, the business really started to grow and it enabled me to hire a team. So I've got a team of seven now. You know, this is sort of over the last two years, I suppose. And and now I've managed to build a business where I do really feel like the part that I play in it is truly aligned with my zone of genius and the things that I want to be doing. And at the same time, I've got an incredible team of people doing almost performing in their zone of genius as well. And it just, it just works. It's like that saying that when you, when you do step into that zone of genius and you hear people say it, but you realize that you're kind of doing a disservice if you don't step into that zone because you're holding yourself back and you're limiting the amount of value and impact that you can actually give to other people and other companies and other charities and the the ripple effect of that. Yeah, you're right. It is, you know, it, it is really good to have a clear vision and mission for why, why you're going to be operating from that zone of genius. And it's not sometimes all about you and you feeling fulfilled. That's a great part of it. But as you said, there's also this element that is, it would be a disservice to your audience, your potential future clients and community if you didn't step into that zone of genius. And there's that responsibility element too of, well, these are the gifts that you've been given and they've been given to you for a reason. And if you allow yourself to, to really step into it, then you will have a, a fulfilling life ahead of you that has a significant impact on the people around you as well. What do you believe, and from your experience maybe as a coach and a business owner, but what do you believe is stopping people from leaping? Fear in so many cases. Fear, when we really break it down, that we're not good enough in some respect or you know, and, and with that is a whole bunch of excuses. So they're things that usually resonate with people like I don't have enough time or I don't have enough money or I don't have enough experience or expertise. And for me, all of those things, when you really get to the heart of them are excuses because, you know, we're constantly faced in our life with, with really simple choices. You know, you can choose to do the thing that you've always wanted to do, or you can choose not to because of a whole load of excuses that most people probably have in common with you at, at one point or another. And and also, you know, perhaps not the clarity of why they want to achieve that thing or, or leap toward that thing. Because in reality, you know, if you're choosing not to do the thing that you're dreaming of or that is your big goal, then I would often ask the question, do you want it badly enough? And, and so both of those things, like getting in tune with your fear and what those, those big fears are for you and why they're holding you back, but also on the flip side, 
getting clear on why you want to achieve that thing and having a clear mission that kind of is going to drive and motivate you to move, to want to move past those fears. And that takes effort. You know, it takes, it takes sacrifice. It takes a lot of personal, you know, exploration to move past your fears. And that goal has ultimately got to be worth that kind of initial discomfort. I love it. It's such a resonating message from people who have taken the leap and see that clarity on the other side of, of, you know, it's always about working through fears and you look at elite athletes, you look at successful people in business or successful people in life, whatever success means to you. And it's not that they don't get afraid. It's that they get shit scared and they move (laughs) towards that fear and they learn the tools and strategies to break through that fear. And to, to, like you said earlier about breaking through those limiting beliefs and those stories that we create in our minds. But I love there where you mentioned about no clarity, because I think it's really important for people to understand that how are you going to make choices and decisions on a regular basis that you know are taking you towards your best self or to towards your visions if you don't actually have clarity on what it is you want and who it is that you need to be to get there. Yeah, I agree. I can't remember who said it, but one of my favorite quotes that stays with me is the reason that most people don't get what they want is that they don't know what they want. Mm-hmm. And yet at the same time, you don't get that clarity overnight. It's, it's almost like I said before that you know, your, your goal might be to get clarity. Like what are my goals in my life? What are the things that I want to want to achieve and have impact with? And, and so the first step might be a goal of getting clarity. And there's so many ways to do that. There's so, so many ways, the tools, like you said before, tools that you can utilize to get clarity on your goals and your, and, and the things that you want to achieve. Like whether that's journaling or meditating or taking up some creative ha- a hobby or you know connecting with with groups or, or mentors or mastermind groups or reading books about it you know and I, I can honestly say that the first year of building my business in inverted commas was actually figuring out what the business was was going to be and so I knew I wanted to have a business and so many people let, let the fact that they don't know what their big idea is yet get in the way of starting a business. And so I decided, well, I'm just going to commit to getting clear on my idea first and not let that get in the way of at least just starting. So yeah. Now let's unpack a bit more of that business. And before we do and uh, unpack more of your wellness excellence, I want to say Lauren Arms, welcome to Your Life of Impact. (laughs) Thank you. We were actually connected by a genuine legend who's been on this podcast. And I think she connected with you at one of your well-to-do summits or events in London. And that's Narali Mancodi from the Superfoodio brand. Yeah, we did. We connected way back when, when I first started the business and her and her husband Jag were were just starting out as well. And I think they they came along to, to one of my earlier events and you know, they were kind of my prime audience, actually, an early stage startup in the wellness space. So it was kind of great to meet them in that capacity and that they came along for inspiration and to learn from some of the speakers that I was bringing, bringing to the events. And 
have become really good friends. Yeah. And I, I, I just admire so much the business and brand that they're building, the life that they're building for themselves and, and the fact that it's led us to connect as well, which is incredible. Yeah, absolutely. They're such genuine, authentic human souls. So, and seems like you are that way as well. And you guys are growing in your businesses along the same path. So I'm not surprised that we've been connected in that way. And <laughs> speaking of the business, I want to hear more about well-to-do and obviously your personal coaching services in a sec, but just want to get a bit of clarity. What's the difference between wellness and well-being? Is it just different terminology for the same thing? Yeah, I think so. I think we kind of use it interchangeably. I don't know if I could differentiate between the two, but I think that the concept is evolving. I think that most people come to wellness or the principles of wellness because they have a desire to enhance their own personal well-being. Perhaps, you know, for me, well-being has a slightly more personal connotation. But what I think is interesting about wellness as an industry is that it's becoming, you know, less about just the individualized aspect of wellness and that, that well-being principle and more about, you know, the greater impact of well-being on the world and the community. And when I when I say that, I'm talking about things like you know, how a product is packaged or how it impacts, you know, the environment or how our personal well-being impacts the people around us. So it's all well and good for you to be eating a great healthy diet and looking after yourself. But what if the people around you are suffering or don't have access to that? And and what I'm interested in is the fact that well-being is becoming more inclusive and that we're, we're, we're thinking less about ourselves as the center of, of that wellness industry and more about how it it's kind of a circle of or a, or a sort of life cycle of products and services that supports and sustains the community as a whole. Yeah, I fully agree. That was one of the things that I wanted to ask you about because you do see that people seem to be more drawn and I, I'm exactly this way, more drawn to brands or people in the wellness space when they know not just what the brands do, but why, plus their global impact or their charity aspects, for example. Yeah, and I think in the UK, it's now statistically showing that purpose-driven businesses are actually growing faster than other businesses. And that's because, you know, from a consumer perspective, and I think both you and I would fit into this category from what you've just said, we want to have greater transparency around the values and the proposition and the purpose and the mission behind a product or service and and not just the product itself. So we're buying into the founder story or, you know, the, the big picture mission of that business. And so the more transparent brands can be about their purpose, I think ultimately the better they perform, which is a great thing for everyone because it multiplies impact in some way as well. Absolutely. Speaking of impact, let's unpack your business. Explain what Well2Do is all about. So I launched Well2Do coming up to five years ago. I had landed in London, as I said before, within a corporate job. Didn't sort of see myself in the shoes of, of my director uh, climbing that corporate ladder as I'd always thought and hoped and dreamed. So I, I started to think about what my passions were, my personal interests. And I guess when you think, okay, well, maybe I'm going to start a business, you sort of think, well, I'd like to do something that I'm passionate about and find fulfillment in my work. 
And um, having come from Australia, and you'll know this as well as I do, wellness is not necessarily a thing in Australia. It's it's sort of inherently part of lifestyle as our lifestyle. But you know, you don't sort of meet people and and sort of say oh, I'm I'm into wellness. It's not a topic of conversation. But what I realised when I moved to the UK was that it very much was. I was living in this big city, you know, millions of people, and when you move to a city like London, you're instinctively looking for your tribe of people you're looking to connect and and I was very much looking to form friendships and and make a life for myself here so when I realized that wellness was sort of this label that people were quite you know openly giving to themselves and and what that meant was that they were going to you know cool fitness studios or eating in in healthy cafes or interested in going to yoga classes or or just having a conversation about looking after themselves. I started to be drawn to some of those places and as a sort of side interest or I guess avenue for me to explore the possibilities of what type of business I might be able to, to launch here, I just started writing about wellness. I started writing about it from very much a curious sort of industry perspective. So I would Initially, I launched a, a really crappy WordPress blog. I came up with the name Well To Do because I sort of thought it was a bit of a play on, you know, um, wellness slash a to-do list slash you know finding things to do in London around wellness. And and I and I've committed to writing three or four articles a week on that blog while I was still working full time. And it gave me a really nice avenue to get to know some of the business owners who were popping up in this space, whether they might have been opening, you know, a a fitness concept or launching a healthy food and drink brand like, you know, the Superfoodio guys. And I started to get to know them and build my network and really create that community around me. And in doing so, what I realized was that rather than coming across a big idea along the way, it was actually turning into an idea itself and and sort of evolving quite quickly. At the intersection of my passion for wellness was also this conversation about entrepreneurship. And for any industry that I'd ever been in, you, you would always be able to kind of plug into some kind of industry forum or hub or community to initiate with that industry and find out what's going on and and almost help to make effective decisions in in starting a business in that landscape and I felt that was missing for wellness particularly in the UK and so my my intention from that point was to build a brand that represented the industry or business of wellness and that was quite a new concept there were plenty of of blogs or or media sites writing about the lifestyle of wellness but I sort of realized I had this aha moment about six to eight months in that there was a real gap in the conversation around the business of wellness and yet a growing community of entrepreneurs and and sort of wannabe entrepreneurs who were looking to understand what the opportunities in this space were and what consumers ultimately, you know, or, or what was kind of driving consumer thinking around wellness. And so Well To Do kind of evolved into what it is now, which is very much, you know, a media platform we publish trends and insights. We publish a number of downloadable reports every year on the landscape of the global wellness industry. We run eight to 10 events a year, including our our major conference, the Well To Do Summit. We have just recently launched a careers platform to help businesses hire in the wellness space and help people to find a career in the wellness industry as well. Um, And so that kind of seed of an idea of 
initially an intention to find a big idea and, and launch something in this space actually evolved into the business itself. And I've noticed that it wasn't always well to do global, was it? Is that a new shift in the name, well to do global? Yeah. So the first year, you know, you sort of think I'd love to launch a business and having a business that is you know, known and respected and, and thriving in a city like London would be incredible. So I guess I set my, my sights a little bit too low in calling it well to do London. Which is still a big goal, by the way, because London being yeah. big, one of the biggest, busiest bustling cities in the world. <laughs> absolutely. And, and absolutely, you're right. You know, that, that felt like a good achievement to have, you know, cracked that marketplace and to become a reputable brand in, in that market. But I suppose what happened over the last four years is that the whole wellness industry has really globalized. So, you know, a great example of that is an Aussie brand, F45, which you're probably familiar with, is now a global brand in 40 countries around the world. And, you know, that, that, that globalization of wellness brands in the industry itself didn't exist in the same way that it does now. And it took me you know, a couple of years to recognize that the opportunity wasn't just for connecting the industry in London, but really connecting it globally. And so the the bar's been raised a little bit in that respect. And we have in the last year sort of started to run our events in, in Asia and in Singapore and very much I have my eyes set on on launching it in Australia as well. Obvious sort of selfish reasons involved in that too. <laughs> well, that's what I was getting at with that name change. My question was, will we see well-to-do running events in Australia? Absolutely. Yeah. I think when I left Oz six years ago, as I said before, there wasn't so much of a conversation about wellness as a lifestyle choice. It was very inherent. But I think that that's changed in some ways. I think there's very much a branded image around wellness that is exciting. And especially from an entrepreneurial perspective, you know, as leisure. So, you know, the clothing that we wear is changing. People are, are wearing more sportswear than they are casual wear. And, and, you know, the way that people eat, the way that people socialize is changing. You know, I think that in Australia, it's, it is a very defined market. And there are some incredible brands coming out of Oz that are really defining and setting the bar for for the industry globally and we'd love to kind of spark that conversation and bring together some of those movers and shakers in the form of our our annual summit and kind of bring that bring that down under so watch this space <laughs> yeah we'll be watching closely and i'm going to link up your website into the show notes as well because what you were talking about there where you do promote everything and all the articles that you do have. It's such a beautiful site. It's easy to navigate, but it's so informative and easy to just read a, a title of because sometimes you don't want to know what's going on in the food aspect of the wellness industry, but it's more around the fitness. Like you said, what's happening in F45? Why is Mark Wahlberg promoting it? So just looking yeah. at those kind of articles and clicking on it, it's credit to you guys. You've created a beautiful very free flowing site there. Oh, thank you. That's really nice feedback. I appreciate that. With that growth, just thinking about going into well to do global, it's obviously you obviously build a lot of relationships and you talked about before you gave a lot of your time and a lot of your value for nothing and then you turn that into a part of your business, which is awesome. But how do you build or what can you sort of say about the importance of or strategies around building relationships in your business that also lead to, for example, speaking opportunities and 
and growth for the business itself. So how do you create those opportunities? Yeah, just what or what does it mean to you, for example, around that building relationships, knowing that it can create those opportunities? Yeah, I know. Interesting sort of look back and, and in some ways, I think I kicked myself for a long time for doing so much of that relationship building for free. When in actual fact, my business would not be thriving in the way it is now if I hadn't done that. So, you know, I think what happens now when I coach entrepreneurs is that they want to have that, that network and those opportunities now. And I'm, I'm constantly trying to figure out how you speed that up and how you're more efficient with building and creating those opportunities. But in some ways, I think that there's a real art to building influence over time and building relationships and the fact that you can't rush the cultivation of great relationships within an industry. You have to show people that you're committed and that you're here for the long, the long shot. And that in some respects, being a key person of influence, you know, there's a whole concept and book around that. Daniel Priestley's written a book on it and it's a great book where you kind of learn the strategies of becoming a key person of influence or expert in your industry, that a big component of that is just time. And and uh, I guess alongside that, it's also over time you build confidence to ask for what you want. So, for example, I I don't go into a meeting now with someone without a clear agenda of a, how I can help them and b how, how they could possibly help me. Cause what I get a lot of is these emails that say, you know, I'd love to collaborate. Let's catch up for coffee. And, and I just think let's get really efficient and structured and, and, you know, um, clear on, on what we want from relationships, not in a, in a, what can I take from this kind of way, but also what can I give and, and what does collaboration actually mean in terms of getting results um, so that's, that's the element that I look at to kind of speed things up. But at the same time, you know, building a network in this industry and, and I now really feel like I have a fantastic network of entrepreneurs and, and industry professionals and things doing, people doing really interesting things has really only come over time. And off the back of that comes significant opportunity. It's exactly where I thought you were going to go with that. And that's why I wanted to ask that question to give a lot of clarity to everyone listening, because if you just go into relationships with genuine authenticity, then those connections will thrive in the way that you envisage them too. And I love now that you have so much confidence that you step into those to know, well, actually I can help these people and this is how they can help me. So let's have that conversation at the same time as rather than just beating around the bush. Yeah, for sure. And, and in saying that, you know, because these relationships sometimes do take a little while to flourish, I think it's being patient and persistent with it as well. So not assuming that if you don't get what you wanted the first time round, that it's not worth pursuing you know, or, or carrying on to cultivate those relationships that sometimes you have to ask three or four times or show up and show that you are genuinely interested. And I say that, especially with respect to speaking opportunities, because there are lots of incredible events and opportunities to get your, your name and personal brand out there in this space, but it's not going to come off the back of one request. You know, it might mean going along to the event three or four times and building a relationship with its organizers before you, you know, you get asked or before you get a response. And the other aspect of that is, is really being intentional and asking for it. So a lot of my clients sort of say, well, 
I'm not getting asked to speak at these events. I'm not getting invited to be on podcasts or, or whatever it might be. But at the same time, you know, if you're not being visible, if you're not putting yourself out there, if you're not making yourself known or, or seeking out introductions, then yeah, you probably won't be top of mind for someone who is organizing an event. So not being afraid to reach out and say, hey, I've got something really valuable to say. Would there be scope for me to be included in this project? And being direct about it is, is you know, can be really helpful and really strategic as well. You mentioned collaboration there. Have you heard of the philosophy of collaboration? No, tell me more. So it's really fascinating, actually. It makes sense. And it's probably something that you do already, but it it creates a really good mindset shift. And I was unpacking this with a guy on the podcast just recently. And so the collaboration is obviously working together, but the collaboration is to liberate each other. So it comes with that philosophy of working together, thinking of the impact or you going in to say, I know how I can lift you higher as a person. And then in the co-liberation aspect, they, with them coming into that same mindset, they have skills or knowledge or tools or a community that can lift you higher at the same time. So it's not just about collaboration of building more impact or growth uh, for a company. It's really liberating each other and then having that ripple effect of the impact that comes with that. Yeah, I love that. That sounds awesome. What a great approach. Let's unpack the wellness space a little bit more. I want to find out, you kind of mentioned a couple of things there before, but I want to know what's trending, what's been in the game the longest, what you're excited about that's coming, uh, what you might believe is a trap for people, all those kind of things. So I guess let's just start, what, what's, what's trending at the moment for a good reason in the wellness space? So I think greater inclusivity in the wellness space. So that kind of breaking down of elitist sort of uh, communication and messaging around who can benefit from wellness and who has access to it. So there are lots of brands tapping into kind of more minority messaging, you know, whether that's minority groups or or focusing on making wellness less, yeah, whether it's less elitist or less expensive or, you know, prohibitive to some people. I think that's a really positive trend in the space. And what it does is create a greater amount of opportunity for, for new concepts and ideas because, for example, in the UK, sometimes wellness is perceived as like a slightly urban centralized bubble and that there are a lot of people outside of sort of urban bubbles that don't know what we're even talking about when we talk about wellness. And that's an exciting kind of opportunistic area to explore as a business owner. I think that technology is having a significant impact on how we view our well-being. So we are definitely looking at wellness, not just from the perspective of being fit and, and, and eating you know, healthier food, but also how we can measure our performance overall. So things like cognitive optimization and this trend towards you know, supplements that enhance mental performance, memory focus, energy. Ultimately, I think as a society, we lack energy. We don't sleep very well. And we we ultimately, you know, are, are moving towards a challenging time around mental health and, and fueled by anxiety and, and the pressure of just a faster paced life. So technology is playing a really interesting role in the measurability of our wellness. So Whilst kind of wearables and wearable devices have had a bit, a bit of a sort of, 
you know, high period and definitely had a lot of media attention. I think for a long time they weren't giving us that much of a sort of meaningful insight into into our actual wellness, our actual well-being or measure or state of well-being. And I think that's changing. I think there are some really exciting propositions that allow us to supplement our diet, whether that's, you know, with eating certain foods or taking certain supplements or nutritional supplements based on real data that's been taken from testing mechanisms and at-home kits and, and this trend toward personalization of wellness we kind of know that wellness is not a one-size-fits-all because we're all so unique we're all unique in our genetic makeup and the environmental you know things that affect us and and so at the same time there are lots of brands in the space that claim to be you know one-size-fits-all and I think that's changing off the back of technology shifts and a greater measurability of what wellness actually means and how well we can perform if we, you know, if we enhance ourselves with certain products and services. Yeah, golly, I could go on and on. <laughs> on, on that actually with, I, I love the things that you covered there because I think it's important with the supplements that people understand, not just buying from the chemist, these supplements, because they hear that you need to have it in your system. But I think there's a real growth in awareness and information of why you need specific things. But it's not just about the fact that, oh, here's a supplement. Now, similar to what we were saying before, people want to and should be exploring where does that product come from? How is it sourced? Is it bioavailable inside of me or am I just wasting my money on those kind of things? So it's a real challenge to some people in that industry now, which I think is brilliant that the quality is there. So people are actually getting a lot out of that. And I talk about that with a lot of uh, passion and experience because we actually part of the wellness and well-being aspect that I work in is around gut health and gut brain connection and working with a functional medicine practitioner and we run our online programs and it's a big part of my health coaching and a lot of people want to know what supplements can I take and yes there's really good ones to take but I'm, I'm also say well why do you think you need to be taking supplements let's look at the foods that you're eating and the drinks that you're drinking and the air that you're breathing and all of these kind of things. But then when we do look at supplements, it's kind of, it's still a very competitive market, but it's really good to see now that it's, there's a lot of challenge on those companies to really identify how cleanly sourced their products are and how bioavailable they are. Yeah. And, and that'd be another trend that I would highlight is just transparency, whether that's around ingredients or sourcing or, you know, the, the supply chain that a product has gone through to get to your plate or to get into that, that bottle of supplements is becoming more important to a consumer, the traceability. And with that, you know, things like packaging and sustainable, whether it's biodegradable packaging, there was an interesting instance on the weekend here in London where the biggest wellness festival of the year took place, but it had a really negative layer of press afterwards because a lot of the attendees noticed or or highlighted to, to some pretty big media outlets that there was a whole load of plastic bottles everywhere. And so this mm. event that claims to be helping the individual to live a healthier, you know, well, more wellness-focused life had fallen down on this area of sustainability and planetary concern and had, you know, allowed a, a, a major sponsor 
to headline the event that is essentially one of the biggest fuelers of plastic waste in the world. And so that becomes part of the conversation, as I said before, that this transparency is being demanded, not just for how a product will impact us personally in all of the ways you just described, but how it will impact the world around us. Because there's no point having a fantastic, you know, fermented probiotic sauerkraut that's wrapped in plastic that's going to end up in the waterways and end up, you know, damaging our, our bio marine life in the ocean. So do you know what I mean? It's sort of absolutely got to tick so many boxes in order to keep a super savvy consumer happy and content and to still fall into that bracket of wellness authentically. That's right. When you're investing in a product, you're also investing in the environment too, if you choose smartly. And there's a lot of pressure on a lot of companies now to ensure that they are environmentally friendly and in line with that because people are all over it. Like what we've just been saying, it actually at the time of this recording right now, it's only two days until the federal election in Australia. And we've Mm. got a few of my friends that have got together and created the hashtag vote for the planet. And, you know, there's a really big movement now for people to ensure that their choices, uh, you know, even in the election, for example, now are in line with that. So it's not about voting for the Greens party. It's about they've created these how to vote cards to ensure that everyone knows, okay, if you vote for this party, they support this part of the planet. They don't support this part. They support this part. So they've done mapped out everything in alignment with that to, to ensure that people are voting with that. And that the, also the, the knowledge behind, well, what's actually happening to our environment with this vote? <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. My mate, Sarah Wilson is doing a lot of campaigning and and driving awareness around that as well. She's definitely an advocate for giving a shit. (laughs) Absolutely. Love it. (laughs) Just also too, the, when you talked about there before with the technology aspects, I love the fact that, you know, one of the things that is they're monitoring a lot more about, you know, sleep is becoming more sexy, which I think is brilliant because I bring that into my wellbeing coaching because we know that that's, you know, that's like the glue. Like one of my mentors says that sleep is the glue that holds your health, your well-being, and your lifestyle together. And he says it's the only legal performance enhancer. Sorry, it's the greatest legal performance enhancer that most people are neglecting. But now is seeing a trend that people are actually talking about and comparing their sleep routines because they're able to monitor it with quite reliable sources like the Fitbit. But then you see the Aura Ring now that is really reliable. And whilst some of those things you know, people might say, oh yeah, well, why does it matter what it's showing me that I'm going through my deep and my REM and how much I was awake? But then other people are taking that on board and creating challenges because what I love about that is that it makes people then think, well, okay, to get better quality sleep, I've got to look at my sleep routine and how much I'm exposing myself to caffeine, alcohol, uh, light in the evening, devices are keeping me awake. So it really makes people start to question a lot of things about their personal well-being based on these wearable technologies. Mm, Yeah. And, you know, from my perspective, we obviously see businesses kind of capitalizing or leveraging the interest in this space all the time. So, you know, the last statistics I read were that sleep in the US is a $28 billion market and that's just in the US. And that's uh, that's because people are trying to find either a quick fix or a, or a long-term fix for this problem of not sleeping well. So opportunities, I guess, are reverberating around that, whether that's trends towards meditation practice or being more mindful or, you know, 
I guess, behavioral changes like not being on a device before bed. There's so many practical things that people can change, but they're also things that are so ingrained in in our culture and our behavior that it is hard to change those things. So it's a trade-off, isn't it? And a lot of people aren't willing to make sacrifices like maybe giving up alcohol or, or a portion of alcohol or giving up our attention that we put on devices before bed or, you know, not having your phone beside your bed, which is the ultimate sin in my, in my opinion, you know, we don't have our phones in our bedroom. We just kind of made a rule for ourselves on that, but it's, it's hard because we kind of want both. We want to live these fast paced lives with the benefit of immediacy and instant gratification that comes with technology but also we're then trying to find the solution or quick fix to not sleeping well. And as a result, the market valuation of sleep is is booming because everyone's trying to find a solution. <laughs> well, that's right. We're creatures of habit, right? I was only saying this to my gorgeous fiance yesterday that isn't it crazy that people uh, that there's businesses out there and, and part of my well-being coaching now is around educating people on how to spend less time on their devices and why. And I go into the brain function of it and what it does from a hormonal perspective and how it relates to that and why it's keeping you up and what it's doing you know, from an addiction perspective and how it's changing your noradrenaline and your dopamine levels and all these kind of things. But then I said, reality is that that's just evolution of the human. So there's always with technological advancements, there's always going to be the challenges of, well, hang on, that's sort of taking us away from being a human being. So we've got to bring ourselves back to what, what does it mean to be a human? How do we get to sleep without all of this technology and these distractions and these addictions? Mm, yeah, it's, it's tricky. We, we ultimately want to have our cake and eat it too. <laughs> <laughs> well, it comes back to what you were saying before too about people having clarity and then really yeah. attaching to that clarity. Okay, if this is where you see yourself and this is who you need to be, is being on your device, is drinking more alcohol, is staying up late watching Netflix or scrolling through social media, is that actually in alignment with those clear visions? Let's be brutally yeah. honest. If it's not, okay, let's work on that. Yes, it's, it's going to yeah. take time because it's an addiction, but let's actually work on that because that's one of the things that's holding you back. Yeah, and I think you hit the nail on the head too with that word addiction because recognizing that all of those things are addictive behaviors is part of breaking the cycle. And, and most of us don't want to admit that we are addicted to our devices, you know, and, and I'll be the first to admit that sometimes I find myself in the labyrinth of social media, realizing that 20 minutes has gone by and I came on to check a message and suddenly I'm looking at, you know, my best friend's cousin's sister's dog, you know, <laughs> cuddling a, a cupcake. It's like crazy. It can suck so much time out of your day if you're not conscious of it and willing to go through that discomfort that we talked about earlier of breaking patterns of behavior and it can be hard but yeah having it, having having an intention around it and and like you said recognizing that it it will make you a more focused person a more productive person that is better able to achieve your bigger picture goals is a good motivation. We're all guilty of those social media rabbit holes, that's for sure. Yeah. Now, Lauren, I'm going to have to get you back on another time. I feel like we could talk wellness for days, but I'm very cognizant of your time. Actually, 
I'd love to pop down to London one time when we're here in Sweden on one of our trips and maybe catch up in person or come to one of your events or maybe you'll be running them in Australia soon. Yeah, all of the above. You're welcome in <laughs> London whenever you're here and definitely you've spurred me on. Now that I've made it public on this podcast that we're launching in Australia, it's got to happen. There you <laughs> go. That's right. I'll follow up. I won't make it a daily thing, maybe a weekly thing. I'll just keep giving you that little note. <laughs> hey, don't forget about Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Especially as the winter months roll on here, I've, I've got to get back down to Australia. There's a great it. reason to do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I've got a couple of quick questions before we wrap up. And the first one that I ask everyone is, what do you believe is good action for people to take to be more impactful in their lives and in their communities? I think connecting in real life. So, We've talked a lot about technology and we just talked about, you know, the addictive obsession that is social media and connecting online. And I think I wouldn't dismiss the importance of the role that has played in building my business. We've got a great online community. We've got a great database of people who read our emails and who connect with us on Instagram. But there is nothing more, I think, practical and valuable than connecting with people in real life who are like-minded, who are driven and passionate in the same way that you are. And if that means kind of breaking some of the circles of friends that you have that keeping you stuck, then then I think is a great thing. There are so many places that you can go, events, communities, people who are on the same wavelength as you that you can reach out to and just getting out of your head and getting into conversation with people can be so motivating. And I know really has been what fundamentally has helped me to take so much action in my business. Love it. So empowering. Like we said before, those genuine, authentic relationships and human connection. Two-part question here. Where can we learn more about you? So social media or websites, et cetera, the best place for people to jump on board. And then how can I and the listeners help you on your journey? Oh, that's so nice. So our core business website is welltodoglobal.com and my personal kind of business coaching and coaching services website is laurenarms.co and social media, the same things, welltodoglobal and Lauren Arms. And what can your people do to help me? I think, gosh, just, yeah, if you're interested in, in the wellness industry, reach out to me and connect with me because I'm just so interested to know what ideas are out there that aren't being brought to life yet and how how I can help make that possible, but also what I can learn, continually learn about what's possible in this, this industry. Yeah, just connect with me. I'm, I'm really excited to learn more about your audience and what they're up to. Love it. Now, one of my top core values is giving and I give all my guests a gift for giving their time and value on the podcast. And Lauren, because I know that you value your health and wellness and well-being so highly, I'd love to give you a place in one of our programs that I mentioned earlier, the our online program, How to Enhance and Optimize Your Gut Health and Gut Brain Connection. So it's a it. program that's all done online with with live interaction and coaching from myself and a functional medicine practitioner, Carl Hewan. So I think you'll get a lot of value from it actually and maybe that aligns with you 
being exposed to some of the the new or different aspects of the wellness industry that you were just talking about. That's so awesome. Thank you so much, Brett. I'm pumped about that. Awesome. (laughs) I'm really fascinated by gut health, so I look forward to it. Oh, my absolute pleasure. So do I. Before I let you go, is there anything else you'd like to say to the listeners or anything else you would like to ask me? I I just want to say thank you so much because I know your time is valuable as well. Thank you so much for inviting me on the podcast and I always find having these conversations really inspiring and just a really nice reminder that although we're all busy and although we've all got a million things to be doing and for anyone taking time to listen to this, I really appreciate your time as well. It's so good sometimes to just slow down and I love the philosophy that sometimes in slowing down, your life can actually speed up in lots of positive ways because There are so many things that you don't notice and that you don't benefit from or you don't think about when you're busy. So yeah, no questions, just appreciation. Really grateful for this opportunity to be part of what you're doing and really admire everything that you're doing to help people with their personal well-being as well. Lauren, you're a legend. You've created a business that is a cyclone of wellness and positivity in the world. You're an inspiring role model and a reminder for all of us to tap into our zone of genius and leap because that net will appear or we will create it. I'm super grateful for your time. Keep shining your well-to-do light to the world. Thank you, Brett. Awesome. Thank you so much. There you go, legends. I trust you took some value from this beautifully connected soul. Make sure you check out Lauren online and check out the well-to-do platform, which I've linked all of those in the show notes for you. Also, don't forget if you're keen to enhance and optimize your own personal well-being, you can check out our gut health program at yourlifeofimpact.com forward slash gut health. And as you heard, if you sign up for this next program, you'll be joining Lauren as part of the community. And as always, remember, this is your life journey, your life of impact.